Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. if you can to the book of first samuel the very first chapter and the very first verse in first samuel so we've been talking about the goats and um, up until this point um, we have not had a a female on the list of goats and so we're going to close it out with with the female goat goat prayer warrior and uh her name is hannah her name is hannah and she is she's a goat she's a goat and if you don't know what that means i'm not being bad Greatest of all time is what that means. But he just called the woman a goat. Catch up, all right? It's, it's an acronym, all right? And uh, don't be so sensitive, all right? And so First um, Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, we're going to hear the story about this woman. There was a certain man whose name was Elkanah, and he had two wives. I don't even know how they did that back in the day. I'm like, one anniversary is hard enough to remember. Come on, somebody. I can't imagine that. You go up to one wife, be like, happy anniversary. She's like, that's the other one. Could you imagine? Be like, I know. I was just, you know, that's how much I love you. This is the anniversary of our first cake. I don't know. Um, one wife was called Hannah. That's our goat. The other, Penina. Penina. That's how you say it. And if I didn't, you wouldn't know. Penina. <laughs> Penina had children. That's the benefit of being a pastor. You got to assume I'm right. And so <laughs> Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. And whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. So on one hand, it's a double portion and that's cool. But on the other hand, it's a pity portion. It's a double portion and that's great. But it's, but it's also a pity portion because it clearly says that the only reason Elkanah gave it to her was because her womb was closed. And so what he meant as a blessing actually reminded her of her barrenness. And sometimes in life, you're going to be in relationships with people who are empty. And because they're empty, you're going to try and overcompensate for their emptiness. You're going to try and give them a double portion in the kitchen. You're going to try and give them a double portion in the bedroom. You're going to try and give them a double portion in conversations. And I just want you to know that there is no effort that can fill a God-sized hole. What they need, you don't got. I don't care how good you kiss. I don't care how good you cook. And if you try to fill that void, you're only going to make it worse because they're going to have a full stomach and that full stomach is just going to resonate more their empty soul. So don't try and fill what only God can fill. But that's not my point. On top of that, Hannah's got an enemy, Penina. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Somebody say provoke. This went on year after year. And whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked, somebody say provoked, her until she wept and would not eat. But in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly so she was provoked but she was provoked to prayer um i get ear infections ear infections frequently i haven't got one in a while so that's good but about three years ago i started getting them 
right around the time we launched this church and no correlation whatsoever. Um, and, uh, and I also am not a big, so what happened was I started getting these fluids building up in the back of my ear and have you ever been in the pool and not been able, like the water gets in your ear and then you can't hear. So that happened to me because there was fluids building up in the back of my eardrum and it happened and I was like that for four, five days and I would not go to the doctor. And it's not that I don't believe in doctors. It's not that I don't believe in medicine. It's that I don't have health insurance. So I wasn't going to go because I know how expensive it was going to be. All right. And so uh, since my wife was like, you need to go to the doctor and I'm like, can't afford it. And so it was to be here. And listen, it was okay. I couldn't hear, but I could hear, you know. I could hear, I wasn't deaf, but I couldn't hear. It was uncomfortable, I hope this ministers, but I had become comfortable with my uncomfortableness. I was just willing, I wasn't, I wasn't willing to pay the cost to get right, so I just, just, I just resigned to the discomfort. I became comfortable in my discomfort until about Friday when I started hearing a, 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 like a, I'm like, I'm waiting for the, this is an emergency bar. You know what I'm talking I'm waiting for that. And it's a And then it gets louder. And then I went, pow. My left eardrum had a rupture. What I heard was the pressure, was the air trying to escape through my eardrum. And it ruptured. And the pain was, it was unbearable. It was excruciating. It hurt so bad. And at that point, I said, we need to go to the doctor. And so I got in the car and I went to the doctor and it was an infection. And the infection was so bad that it had gotten beyond the point of oral antibiotics. How many people know that there's another way? I didn't know. To get antibiotics into your system when you're real bad. And for the sake of the holiness of this pulpit, I will refrain from letting you in on all the details I will just say there's a needle involved so I'm getting this shot and I'm th and the doctor saying man good thing you came in because if you hadn't came in this could have spread to your brain I go wow well you know what I know it hurt but now I'm grateful for the pain because it was the pain that provoked an appointment with the physician and so I know that you've been through some stuff and I know that the pain hurt and I'm sorry that it hurt. But how about we thank God for the pain? Because if you really think about it, wasn't it the pain that provoked your appearance to see the physician this morning? I mean, if we're really honest, there's about 50% of the people came here to church because church is what you do. But the other 50% are like, oh, 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 Jesus, you change everything. <laughs> Come on, lives healed. And we be honest about it. Hey, so why don't we give God praise for the pain? Because if it wasn't for the pain, we'd have stuck with the infection. We'd have been comfortable with our discomfort. But thank God for the pain. It made me get here today. The pain brought me here. If it wasn't for the pain, I wouldn't have prayed. It provoked me. But that's not my point. I'm, I'm reading 20 verses. I figured I had to give you some commentary or else you'd lose interest. So now I'm going to get to my point. I'm going to get to my point. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son. I love that it says forget because it's written from the human perspective, not the God's perspective. Sometimes you feel forgotten, but God never forgets you. But it feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? Because he's getting blessed and she's getting blessed. 
I grew up going to youth conventions and youth camps and they used to do this thing called a line of fire. And you would line up and the preacher, whoever he was, he would just start laying hands on people. Bop, 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 bop. And, uh, and because of the way we grew up and just the spirit of God in that place too, and I totally believe it, it was authentic and genuine. Some people would cry. Other people would like fall, which was scary when I first saw it. And, uh, but I wanted it. Whatever they were feeling out. And I remember the preacher would just go bop, Cry, tears fall, tears fall, tears fall. And then he came to me and nothing happened. And then he went on to the next person. I was like. Come back. We need a redo. I just remember being in between two blessings thinking, but where's mine? So it's normal to feel forgotten. But you got to remember that this verse was, this was written by a human. So when humans feel forgotten, just remember you're never forgotten. He always remembers you. But I appreciate that the author really captured that emotion that we experience in our humanity. So if you give me this baby and don't forget me and give me a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. Now you need some historical cultural context to really understand What's happening here, when she says that there will be no razor used on his head, what she's saying is, I'm going to raise him a Nazarite. To be a Nazarite was to, be a Naz to make a Nazarite vow. And that vow was not just you weren't going to cut your hair, but you also weren't going to drink wine, and you also weren't going to touch a dead body. Not that any of those things are sins, but, but when you make that vow, what you're saying to the Lord in that, in that time was, I'm going to live a special life for you, God. There's, there's sin, there's normal, and then there's special. I'm going to be special. I'm not just going to settle for what's okay. I'm going to be above that. I'm going to be holy and I'm going to live a special life. And so Hannah, in essence, is saying, if you give me this baby, I promise I'll raise him right. And if you give me this baby, I promise I'll give him back to you. Now, this is what she literally meant. She meant that there would come a time in this baby's life where she would take the baby and literally drop him off at church as an offering to God, which, by the way, Please don't put your baby in the offering bucket when it comes by. <laughs> we don't want them. Okay? Some of y'all were like, I almost found my out right there. That's how I was going to do it. Lord, I make a vow. Just take my baby and have it. No. If I got to raise my kids, you got to raise yours. Okay? And so, but that's what literally it meant. I'm going to give him to you. I'm going to lay him down. That's crazy. So 1 Samuel 1, 12, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Eli was the priest or the pastor. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled and I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Thank you very much. <laughs> Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, well, in that case, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant whatever it is that you've asked them. She said, may your servant find favor in her eyes. Look at this, verse 18. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. How about that? She experienced the joy of the blessing before experiencing the blessing. She said, I don't have it yet, but I'm not going to wait to have it to change my attitude because I know it's on the way. Come on. Is there anybody who can give God praise on the other side of the blessing? Like, because anybody can praise God once you got it. But I think it says something about faith to lift up a hallelujah when you don't even, when you don't have it. 
That's powerful. One of the most powerful verses right there. And was no longer downcast. Verse 19. Then early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah and Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah. How many people know that's a good Sunday? (laughs) Right there. Service in the morning. Verse 20. Verse 20. (laughs) So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son and she named him Samuel, Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Now, that's not an accurate translation. There are actually two translations of of Samuel's name, and his mother was doing a wordplay on the name. The name actually means the name of God, but when you say it in Hebrew, it sounds like another phrase, which is God heard me. God heard me. Now, I love that name because I think I was wondering at what point in the birthing process did Hannah realize she was going to have to give that baby back because I bet her countenance changed. I'm sure she was so, I mean, she was probably in a lot of pain, really angry, you know, looking at Elkanah like, you did this to me. You know how they show you in the movies. And then the baby came and the baby was bloody and, and, and covered in fluids, but, but she grabs this baby and she's like, wow, this beautiful baby boy is mine. I finally got the thing I've been praying for. I mean, she must be full of joy. She's just, just exuberant. She's smiling. And then she gives him the name prophetically because he turns out to become a prophet, grows up to be a prophet. He says, God, she says, God heard me. God heard my prayer. And I think that's when she remembered. And I think that's when her countenance changed. I can't prove it theologically, but I believe that when she gave her son that name, she went from a smile to sadness because she said, God heard me. God heard me. Amen. He heard you. He heard the first half of your prayer. God give me a son, but he also heard the second half and I'll give him to you. And I think it was at that moment she said, oh, and she asked herself the title of my sermon today. She asked herself, she said, am I prepared for what I prayed for? Am I prepared for what I prayed for? Because what you prayed for is on the way. Somebody say amen. amen. But will you be ready when it gets there? I ordered AirPods the other day. Got them. Love me some AirPods. They're expensive, but I didn't buy them before you start judging your boy, okay? Because you're like pastors, preachers, and sneakers, you're wearing AirPods. And listen, I didn't do it. It was a gift card, okay? I got a gift card. Bought these AirPods, ordered them. I didn't know. And then I got an email that said, they're, 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 they're there. They've been delivered. And so I'm like, awesome. Can't wait to use these AirPods. And I went to my house and I went to the door to see these brand new AirPods. And when I got there, there was a sticker on my door. Has this ever happened to you? The sticker was on the door. It said, we came. But there was nobody here to sign for it. So we took it back. I was like, A, where? <laughs> and when are you coming back? What's my I didn't know this never happened to me before. Nobody came to sign for it. Here's what I'm talking about. What if the reason why you haven't received the thing you're praying for isn't because God didn't send it, but because he sent it, but you weren't ready to receive it. And because you weren't prepared to receive it, he couldn't give it to you. It's about 
preparation. There are things that God is sending you, but he's not going to send you until you're ready. And I want to tell you why. Not, not because he's mean, but as in all things God does, just like with Apple, they didn't want to leave my AirPods there if I wasn't ready for it because someone else could have took it and stole it. It was for my good. Sometimes God will withhold it when you're not ready for your good. For your good. Like, I'm going to tell you a story today that's very embarrassing. I've never told the story before outside of the 915, because I'm not going to lie. I do preach before you get here yeah, to these people. So I just, but this, that's the first time. This is the second time. And it was the first time my wife heard this story. And it's about my first kiss. <laughs> now, she knows it wasn't her, but she hadn't, did not hear the story. She was there for the 915. She heard it. And, uh, and so this is just a true story. So this is my first kiss, story of my first kiss. So <laughs> it's a little embarrassing. So I grew up in church, which means that you pray about everything. So I, I prayed for a first kiss. I was like, God, you know, I don't know when, I don't know who, you know, but the promises of the Lord are for sure. And hey, taste and see that the Lord is good in your word, God, you said. And so just declaring things over my life, you know. And uh, one day I was doing a chemistry project with um, two friends. It was a girl who would protect her identity. So, you know, just <laughs> Jennifer Lopez was her name. And she was, uh, and then it was my friend. So it was my friend and Jen, that's what we called her, uh, and... And my friend, you know, knew that I, the girl kind of liked me. I knew that I kind of liked the girl. And so he dipped. He left the room, which was against the rules in my house just before you come find my parents. I wasn't allowed to have a girl in my house, but we broke the rule. And, uh, and so she's there, and I'm there, and we're working on this project, and my friend left. And then she just straight up asks me. She's like, do you want to kiss? I did then what I'm, what I'm doing right now. I just started smiling. And I was like, well, I mean, do you want to kiss? Because I'm a gentleman. She said, yeah. She said, let's kiss. So we did. But I had no idea what I was doing. And it was the worst, most awkward, most embarrassing. I didn't know. The only, they didn't teach me it in church. They didn't teach me it in health class. They didn't teach me it in Power Rangers. The only person to ever teach me anything about kissing was my cousin Phil. And he said, when you kiss, make sure to use tongue. which was incredibly inappropriate <laughs> for a first-time kiss. I mean, there's unspoken boundaries. So that's what I did. But I don't know what I was doing with that thing. It was the worst. Here's why I share that story. I promise it has a biblical point. I prayed for it. But in reality, I didn't know what to do with it when it got there. And sometimes I think God hears our prayers. And he sits back and he goes, LOL. <laughs> hey, Michael, check this out. El Moses, did you hear her prayer? 
baby, baby, baby. I will give it to you, but if I gave it to you, you wouldn't even know what to do with it once I gave it to you. You don't realize you are not yet prepared for what you're praying for. Hey, you could pray for a house all you want, but if you're not preparing a down payment, boo-boo. You ain't getting that house. Hey, you could pray, God, help me pass my math test all you want. Homie, if you're not preparing by studying, you ain't passing that test. I pray every week that this sermon would bless your life. But the hours that I spend in prayer do not relieve me from the responsibility of the hours of sermon preparation that is required to become a partner with that prayer. People say, well, no, that's not true because whatever God wants to do, he's going to do. Not true. How many people have ever prayed here? Raise your hand if you ever prayed, God use me. God, you raise your hand if you ever prayed, God use me. Amen. You prayed, God use me before? Now, do you think God wants to use you? Yeah. She said no at first. I'm like, follow my head. <laughs> I tried to lead you. So you prayed God would use you and you believe God would. How many people believe God wants to use her? Okay. So then you preach. You can't. I'm not trying to make fun. You can't. You know why you can't? Because you didn't prepare. I prepared. And so we're both praying, but I'm the only one who came to church today prepared to preach. And so God used the person who was prepared. You can pray all you want, but if you're not partnering your prayer with preparation, God in his goodness, I said in his goodness, will withhold the blessing until you're ready. We see this in the scriptures all the time. Exodus chapter 23, verse 29 and 30. The Israelites are about to go into the promised land. They just got out of Egypt. And before they do, God says, see, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Come on, somebody. God's prepared. Not, you might not be prepared and I might not be prepared, but I, I came to tell you God's ready. Your answer's ready. Your blessing's ready. It's prepared. It's set. It's good to go. There's only one problem. But I will not drive them out in a single year. I could do it right away, God says, but I won't because the land's too big. It would become desolate and the wild animals then would become too numerous for you. So here's my plan. Work with me, Christian. Work with me, mom. Work with me, husband. Work with me, wife. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. In other words, it's ready. I'll give it to you when you're ready. Whew, I mean, I wasn't expecting a lot of amens because it's, it's, it's hard to swallow that. But it's true. How many people can't wait to retire? Raise your hand. You can't wait to retire. Can't wait. Amen. My wife said that to me the other day. She said, boy, I can't wait. I mean, she loves being a pastor here, just to be clear. <laughs> but what happened was we had some dream teamers who just they retired. They went to Paris. And then she was like, I can't wait to retire. And I'm like, well, you know who can wait to retire? Me. You know why I can wait? Because I'm not ready. I mean, I know a pastor's not supposed to tell you how much money they have saved, but I'm going to break the rule. I'm going to just let you know. You know how much money I have in my retirement account right now? I'm going to just let you be honest with you. Ready? Not enough. <laughs> and if I were to retire tomorrow, I'd be homeless in three months. But I'm not complaining about it. 
I'm not working talking about, oh, God, if you really loved me, you would help me retire tomorrow. No, because I understand that I'm not retired because I'm being prepared. And so here's what I'm doing. Every, every month, guess what I do? I put a little to the side. Little by little by little by little getting prepared for the season that I'm praying about. Listen, don't pray big if you're not willing to start small. Don't pray big unless you're willing, if you're not willing, to start small. You're single. Singleness, don't complain. Singleness is preparation for being married. Yeah, because I know what you ladies are praying for. You want the dude who's 6'9", fine, and not out of his mind. But let me tell you something about that guy. That guy's got a job. Mm. That guy's going to church. That guy's got his stuff in order. And if you were to meet that guy tomorrow with where you are today, next point. I know, you, I know we got entrepreneurs. But you know what's great preparation for being an entrepreneur? Being a great employee. I, well, I'm, I just can't work for anybody. You'll never learn loyalty. So then if you don't learn loyalty, don't expect it from your employees because you never, you never lived it. And you'll be upset when all your employees leave because you couldn't stay for three months. You want to start a tech company? Go intern at Google. Go intern at Apple. Spend time learning how to follow before you try and lead. You got to get prepared for what you're praying for. You got to do, you got to put in the work. That's why I love our interns, JLA interns. Well, yeah, JLA, I love you guys. So into the corner. These guys have given up two years of their lives, following, learning. Some of them want to start churches. Some of them want to have ministries or start businesses. This is the place to be. They're getting prepared for what they're praying for. And so sometimes, you know, we're waiting on God. But how many people know sometimes God's waiting on us? Second Kings chapter three, we got the army of Israel. They're in the middle of the desert. They're dying of thirst. They call Elisha the prophet. And they say, Elisha, we need rain. Because Elisha did that whole rain thing. So we're like, we need water. We're about to die. And Elisha comes with a word, chapter 3, verse 16, and says, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Ditches. Somebody say ditches. Snitches get stitches and wind up in ditches. <laughs> this is what my wife would tell her younger brother every time. He caught her doing something she wasn't supposed to. <laughs> it's a true story. Ditches. Now, the people of Israel would be used to building ditches. What is a ditch? A ditch is a big hole in the ground. The reason why they would be used to building a ditch is because the promised land might have been a land flowing with milk and honey, but it wasn't a land flowing with rain. It actually wasn't. Oh, sorry, with rivers. It wasn't a land flowing with rivers or pools or bodies of water. And so the, the Israelites were used to digging ditches because the only way they would get water to, feel their, to feed their cattle or water to water their, 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 their agriculture or water to, to provide for their children was by digging these big holes in the ground that they would call cisterns. And then when it would rain, the big holes in the ground would fill up and that's where they would get water from. So they were professional ditch diggers. They knew how to dig ditches. The only problem was they were running out of energy. They hadn't drunk water in seven days. Well, not seven, they had their, the canisters. They hadn't rained in seven days. They were out of water. They're about to pass out. And with no energy left, God tells them, dig some ditches. And everybody looks at each other and goes, there's no cloud in the sky. Why are we going to put all this effort in digging ditches if there's no clouds? And then God, and, then the, and this is what the prophet says. Next verse. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, 
That's a cloud. You shall not see a cloud and you shall not see rain. But I promise you, this valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle and your animals may drink. Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly, somebody say suddenly, water came by way of Edom and the land was filled with water. They did it. They obeyed the prophet. They got up in the middle of the night. They started digging ditches without a cloud in the sky. And when God saw their obedience, he said, now they're ready. I can imagine the conversation in heaven while God is getting ready to manipulate the meteorological forces of, of whatever sends water. And he's looking at the angels and he's saying, wait, well, before you unzip that cloud, before you send that flood, wait to see not if they have the faith to believe, but they got the faith to dig. Because we all believe God. Everybody believes God. I believe it, pastor. I believe it. Okay, but show me your ditches. Don't pray for what you're not willing to work for. You got to combine it. Prayer and preparation. Don't pray for what you're not willing to work for. You got to put in some of the effort, y'all. Listen, I knew that God would build this church. I knew it. And, and, and it's God. Amen. But that's why I work 60 hours a week. Because I know he's going to build this church. My wife and I, we have a great marriage. I'm not trying to rub it in. I'm just grateful for it. And it's a miracle that we're about to make 11 years. It's a miracle. But guess what? I can point to my ditches. I can. I can point to a 5.30 a.m. men's small group my pastor in South Carolina would do. Where he was like, if you want to be a man, J.J., you need to come to this small group. We're going to teach you manhood. It's going to be man the friend, men the warrior, and man the lover. I still remember it. And I was and at 5.30 a.m., I had never got up that early in my life. I had to get dressed and be in class by that day. But that class taught me more about being a man than 17 years of life. I, I can point to my ditches now that I'm living in the miracle. My question is, can you? Do you have any ditches behind you? Where's the work behind the thing that you're praying for? Because if you don't have the faith to dig, if you don't have the faith to get dirty, if you don't have the faith to roll up your sleeves, true faith doesn't sit down and clasp its hands and wait for God to move mountains. True faith gets to work. Faith without deeds is dead is what the Bible says. So are you putting in the effort but don't pray for what you're not willing to work for? Well, I got a minimum wage job. You don't got a minimum wage job. You got ditches. God's, you're, you're, you're preparing for a higher salary, but if you can't budget a thousand a month, what makes you think you're going to be able to budget 10,000 a month? Right now, you're wasting 30% of your, of your paycheck on Netflix, and, and you think that when you get more money, you're going to spend less money? Your percentages are going to be just the same. They're just going to go to different things. And you're going to be as broke because you weren't prepared. Listen, we got a lot of NFL players here at, at, the, at, the, at our church. And so I don't, not, I'm not an NFL player. I read a study, $875,000 is the median salary of an NFL player. Median, median. That's like not average. Average would be much higher because then you get the quarterbacks who get those big paychecks. But median, $870,000, like that, the middle. Within two years of retirement, 78% of NFL players are bankrupt or under financial pressure. Not because they didn't love football. They prayed to get at the level, but nobody prepared them for the vultures that would come around them once they started making money. Nobody prepared them for the bad investments that people would try and sell them. They, 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 were, they had it, but the preparation. And so God is saying, I'm not, I'm ready to send it, but I'm, I'm waiting for you. 
to roll up your sleeves. Start doing what you can do. I've said this before. God can do what you cannot do, but he will not do what you will not do. He's going to wait for you. Finally, Hannah gets the baby. Hannah gets the baby, weans him for three years. So that means she breastfeeds him. Once he's old enough where he no longer needs to be breastfed, where he can eat solid food, she then brings him to the church and drops him off. And guess what happens? 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 21. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah, and she became pregnant again. Over a period of years, she had three more sons and two more daughters. She laid it down. And once she laid it down, God gave her more. I have a theory here, y'all, I'd love to share with you before we close. I think God was waiting to give Hannah the baby until the point where he knew that the answer to her prayer would not become the idol in her life. Because God will never give you something that will become an idol. And so he'll wait until your heart is pre and when your heart is prepared, he goes, now I'll give it to you because now I know this won't be the number one thing in your life. Are you ready? Don't pray for what you're not willing to lay down. Don't pray for what you're not willing to lay down because until you get to the point where you say, this isn't mine, this is yours, God. He goes, aha. And now that you've learned to put your trust in the provider and not the provision, watch me. Open the floodgates of heaven. You thought one baby was good, I'm about to send five. You thought one job was good, I'm about to send them. Now that I know you don't idolize money, watch what I do with your bank account. Now that I know you don't idolize friends, look at the relationships I bring about you. Now that I know you don't idolize your husband, watch how I restore that relationship. Now that I know I'm the number one in your life. This is how I got my wife, y'all. True story. True story, true story. Now, you're going to think that I'm making this up because I'm a pastor, but it's the truth. Number one, I did two things a month before I met Liz. Number one, I gave the biggest offering of my life ever to a church, ever. And I'm not saying that because I'm the pastor, right? We're not about to pass the offering buckets because all the single people were like. <laughs> slam dunk in their offering today. Now, I heard the story of this L.A. Dream Center that was about to buy a hospital and use that hospital so that homeless people could find a home and get restored. And the prostitutes off the street could get from recover from sexual abuse. And I was like, and the Lord just put it in my heart. And so I gave six months of my salary straight. I would get the check, then I would write the check and I would send it out for six months. God was using that to prepare my heart because then I remember I had a pastor, his name was Bert. And he was single. He was 33. He had been single for almost a decade. And he told me, he was like, Jay, um, I'm good. He's like, if I never get married, I'm good. I love God that much. And I remember praying one day. And I was like, God, I love you, but not like Bert. I just want to be real with you, Lord. I love you, but not like Bert. And I remember, because I was like, that's not my calling. Um, in the name of Jesus, I'm not called. But I remember getting to a place where I, I just said, it was in prayer, it was authentic and it was real. And I just said, you know what, God, I'd finally had, a, I think the offering prepared my heart. Because there's just this connection between your heart and money. 
and, the, and so as I gave the money, my heart became less needy. And so when I laid it down and then my heart was ready, and then I was just like, God, I think I'm ready. If I never find that person, I just want you to know you're enough for me. I no longer need it in my life to experience happiness. You're enough for me. And a month later, Liz came walking into my life. I'm not making it up. Would you stand at your feet today? Stand at your feet as we close. There's somebody here who's been praying, but you, but you haven't been preparing. Your heart's not prepared. Your skills are not yet quite prepared. Your strength, your maturity, your, your knowledge, you quite don't have yet what you need to make the most of that moment. And so I want to invite us all to pray today. And, and But to not let the prayer stop here. That when we go home, we would begin to reflect. What preparation do I need to do in my life to get ready for the blessing? I want to declare it over your life right now. The blessing's on the way. The blessing's on the way. The blessing's on. What you've prayed for is on the way. You just got one job. Keep praying and start preparing. Keep praying and start preparing. Start getting ready. When we pray right now, Father God, we give you our heart. Father God, we love you. God, we pray this prayer. You know what's in our hearts. You know what we need. My God, today I make a vow like Hannah not to waste my life, not to waste my time. I will prepare for what I'm praying for. If I got to prepare my heart for sacrifice, I'll prepare it. If I got to prepare my hands for work, help me prepare my hands for work. Whatever you have to do in my life, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. Come on. Somebody tell God, I'm ready. I'm getting ready, God. I'm ready. Whatever you want to do, I'll get prepared. I'll pray and prepare. I'll pray and prepare. I'll pray and prepare. I'll pray and prepare. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Jesus. Jesus. Come on. We're getting ready, Lord. message and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life please email us at amen at journeyorl.com 
And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.